You can turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, we'll look at verses 9 through 15. Once again, we're on part 7 of the Lord's Prayer. And the plan is to not finish it at this point <laughs> because I, I just ran out. I, I didn't want to consolidate it so much that I couldn't give it ac- adequate time. But you have um, next week, we'll look at forgive us of our debts as we forgiven, have forgiven our debtors. Um, and then we'll, we'll leave the last two petitions for another time. Um, because the following Sunday is our last Sunday with our doing our evening worship service. That'll be September 1st. Um, Ray will be preaching, and uh, we're going to hopefully see a, a, um, you know, folks come out for that last Sunday as we make our transition to the home fellowship groups. The following Sunday, though, will be the 8th, and that will still gather, but it'll be for a hymn sing and potluck. So that'll be... Um, that's the schedule. The week of the 15th, we'll, we'll transition to the fellowship groups. But let's go ahead and um, recap a little bit of, of what we've covered. Whenever we come to God in prayer and we use the Lord's Prayer as our guide, we begin by acknowledging His heavenly majesty and power. Right? And the simple phrase, Heavenly Father, or Father in heaven, or whatever phrase you use when you first pray to God. And behind that, we, we recognize that he is holy and transcendent, but we have personally experienced his fatherly kindness. And so we are praying to him as children to a father. Uh, by sending his son, the father made a way for us to be adopted into his family. And then through faith in Jesus, we pray as brothers and sisters of Christ. And then we say, when, or when we say, hallowed be your name, we enter into that season of adoration. We want to acknowledge the, uh, and appreciate God's attributes. So part of how you learn about the attributes is by reading his word so that you might have a, a more well-rounded idea of the kinds of attributes that are described and explained in Scripture so that when you're giving him praise, you have a, a wealth of phrases to use. But we also see a lot of repetition when we get to this section in Scripture, um, especially Revelation, right? You see this, the angels and the 24 elders are all saying almost the same words in their praise of God, and that's to be expected. So we can use that same kind of language and not feel um, like, it's, like it's unhelpful adoration, right? Um, we should not tire of giving God praise, and uh, we can be certain that he won't tire of hearing his children praise him. So we give him, we, we declare his holiness and we offer praise as well as our desire for him to remove anything that detracts from his glory, anything from our mind or our, you know, our, our actions. We want to remove those things. We ask him to do that so that our praise might be given to him fully. We also pray your kingdom come. And that implies that we know there is a kingdom of evil that is in opposition to God's kingdom. And we want to see the kingdom of evil destroyed as God's kingdom is established. We know that hope will ultimately be fulfilled when Christ returns, but that is our desire now, so we pray for that now. That is how the whole Bible concludes, right? Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. So we want to see his kingdom established. And then in the third petition, um, it, which was regarding the will of God, 
we first have to admit that, that we're not only unable to know God and His will, but we're unwilling to do it, even if we should know it. We're unable to know God's will and unwilling to do it as well. So we need God's help, once again, to remove our rebellion and to enable our obedience to know and do according to His will. Right? And so this afternoon, we'll be looking at the fourth petition, which teaches us to pray for our daily bread, which obviously means more than simply praying for a loaf of bread at dinner. But uh, it's, it's, it's beyond that. It's talking about praying for all outward blessings and physical blessings that, that sustain us. So before we read it, let's ask the Lord for his help in understanding it. Heavenly Father, we thank you again that we can come before you and worship. One of the ways we worship you is in our prayer. And Lord, it's something that we all need instruction in. We all know how weak we are, how prone our minds are to wander as we pray. So Lord, help us to focus now so that we might learn something from your word about prayer and apply it to our lives, that we might become praying people. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen. So read with me, Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And then again, notice on the, the little, if you're following the ESV, there should be a footnote after the end of the prayer, and it's number four, and it says, some manuscripts add, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So typically, that's the fuller just, um, Lord's Prayer that is recited by the church. Well, let's consider again what the Westminster Larger Catechism has to teach us about this particular petition, this fourth petition. Question 90 or 193 says, what do we pray for in the fourth petition? And this is a, a lengthy answer, but we'll break it down again into two sections. In the fourth petition, which is give us this day our daily bread, acknowledging that in Adam and by our own sin, we have forfeited our right to all the outward blessings of this life and deserve to be wholly deprived of them by God and to have them cursed to us in the use of them and that neither they of themselves are able to sustain us nor we to merit or by our own industry to procure them but prone to desire, get, and use them unlawfully. We pray for ourselves and others that both they and we, waiting upon the providence of God from day to day, in the use of lawful means, may of his free gift and as to his fatherly wisdom shall seem best, enjoy a competent portion of them and have the same continued and blessed unto us in our holy and comfortable use of them and contentment in them and be kept from all things that are contrary to our temporal support and comfort. So the description 
begins like it's oftentimes began with what we deserve or with the negative view. The Westminster Divines chose to begin with the negative. On most of these petitions, it talks about what is implied by this phrase. It's given in a, it's a positive prayer, give us this day our daily bread, but what is that acknowledging in some negative sense about ourselves? Well, we want to acknowledge the effects of original sin uh, that we inherited from Adam, as well as our own sin that we have personally committed. The effect ha- as it relates to our daily bread is that by our sin, we have forfeited our right to all the outward blessings. The word all is in that answer. We have forfeited our right, our sin has forfeited our right to all the outward blessings of this life. That is quite countercultural, isn't it? What do we hear? We, we expect things to be given to us. And um, culture demands to be treated in some uniform manner, right? That, that it doesn't, um, there's just this expectation, right? That, that we, we should be privileged. We should receive uh, from the government or from our parents or from anyone, right? We, we expect these things. So we no longer have a right to any blessings according to this answer. We cannot demand that God bless us with anything, even if we know that it is good for us. Even if we know we're praying the right thing, we're praying something that God has taught us to pray about. We don't expect that we deserve it because we're praying for something that's in his word, according to his word. We don't, right? So we acknowledge that, that be, by asking God for our daily bread, we want to, first of all, admit that we're not earning it. We haven't done anything to deserve that bread. Instead of deserving a blessing, the answer goes on to say that we actually deserve that all of our outward works receive a curse from God, that the, that the blessings instead are cursed in our use of them. And, and really, it's similar to the original curse, right? We deserve to work by the sweat of our brow for the rest of our life and only reap thorns. That's what we deserve. This corruption of God's good creation is evidenced by the groaning of creation, as Paul describes it in Romans 8. So life is vanity and futility, as the preacher in Ecclesiastes argued. Why is that so? Because, because of sin because of original sin and our own sin. Uh, We deserve to be wholly deprived of God's outward blessings because of sin. Um, And our sin, obviously, should not be rewarded. Uh, Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death. Wow. So if anything less than immediate death, is what we perceive, then we get common grace, right? Sorry. If our on, for our ongoing disobedience, the only thing we deserve is God's curse upon all that we have and do. So when Jacob learned that, that Esau was, was coming his way, he became fearful that his brother would, not, or would take vengeance upon him. Um, Jacob and, and Esau were, you know, were enemies at, after the way Jacob treated him. And so as he knew that Esau was coming his way, he became fearful that his brother was going was gonna to retaliate and, and kill him. 
for not only deceiving Esau out of his birthright, but also taking his blessing from his father, deceiving his father, Jacob, I mean, um, Israel. So you have this, he, he did not merit any of God's, or, or he begins to pray at that moment. When he prayed to God, he acknowledged that he had not earned the blessings he had received. That's back in Genesis 32.10. When he prayed to God, he acknowledged that he had not earned the blessings he had received. He did not merit any of God's blessings, but he asked for the Lord to be merciful and to deliver him out of the hands of Esau. And so these are, this is an example of, of how we should come before him, right? First of all, acknowledging that what we've done is deserving of punishment and judgment. Um, it's, so we, we want to first of all say that we haven't merited or earned our blessings, uh, we must also keep in mind that it's not our own strength and might that procures God's blessings, as, as we read in Deuteronomy 8, verses 17 and 18. So everything we have comes from his gracious hand. We have the ability to do our work because he has blessed us with certain knowledge and skills. So even as we go out and earn our paycheck from our employer, that doesn't mean we've earned that paycheck from God. Right? We, we have been given the skills to, to earn, uh, you know, to, to have work. And so we give him praise. We recognize that that doesn't mean we now deserve something additional from him, some blessing beyond that. And so when we know what we deserve, it's going to have an impact, impact upon how we pray and what we seek, what we're asking the Lord for. It gives us a humility uh, rather than a presumption. So the wilderness generation, they, they suffered hunger in order that they might not, or they might know that they needed more than bread to sustain them. God allowed them to suffer hunger so that they would know that they needed more than simply bread. Uh, bread alone would not provide for them the guidance that they needed. They needed to learn by their hunger to trust in God whose words provide superior sustenance, right? It was to to know that they, could, they needed God's instruction from his word, Deuteronomy 8.3. And if they had understood this properly, they would not have been filled with so much grumbling. And the way they sought their water and food was deserving of further condemnation. And God did judge them for their wickedness. And so we should admit that what we desire is oftentimes mixed with impurities. Even as we pray, we don't pray as we ought Right? We're prone to desire, get, and use, as the answer gives here, God's blessings unlawfully. Right? Everyone covets. Jeremiah 6.13 teaches us. Mark 7.21-22 teaches us that all kinds of evil proceed from our hearts. Um, James writes that we do not get what we ask for because we ask for things in order to satisfy our lusts. James 4.3. So we can oftentimes come before God with impure motives, asking for things that, that will allow us to trust him less. It's another, another challenge, right, when we're praying. For instance, financial blessings can make us really less dependent upon God. When you have the resources, you don't necessarily pray as much or, or cry out for his sustenance. If you're prone to anxious worry about the future, uh, we might want a, a, a larger amount or in our savings account. I, 
I'm prone to that, I'll admit. I want to see a, a, a safety net here. But once that's there, do I pray less? Because I'm like, well, you know, if, if all else fails, we got, we, we've got that savings account now. We can pull it out from there. And so instead of repenting of our worry, we sacrifice time with our family in order to alleviate our fears. We work overtime. We, we do everything we can to build up that safety net. But in that case, we're actually trusting in money, right, rather than trusting God. So with those humble acknowledgments, the answer then teaches us how to pray, to pray for ourselves and others. We pray that we would continue to trust in God and to wait upon his providence. Uh, We can pray for blessings and continue to pursue the lawful use of the means he has freely provided. And we can trust that God's fatherly wisdom will give us what we need when we need it. And so we can pray for blessings but we do it recognizing that we don't deserve them. We don't presume that he'll give them to us. Um, We do consider him a good father. He's going to give us exactly what we need, and he's got the fatherly wisdom to give us that. And we can expect him to be good to us, but it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to answer precisely the way we expect him to. There are several ways in which our actions will prove that our trust is in him. Like Jacob, we can follow through on our vow to give to God's kingdom work. That is one way we acknowledge that everything we have is from God. Uh, Because God has provided an abundance of blessings, we want to show our gratitude by giving back to him financially, um, you know, giving of our talents to the church, giving of our time, but also even in the way you work, right? You work to the glory of God. Um, you're, you're honoring him in, the, in, in not, not cheating your employer, right? being a, a, a work, someone who has integrity, um, who does your best work to, to honor and glorify him. So I'm not suggesting that in order to really honor God, you've got to, it's all about the church or it's all about what, you know, what you do for, uh, you know, it, like in, in, in evangelism or what you do um, in, in giving giving away, but it's, it's, it's how you live your life every day. How you work can be glorifying to God, and it can be a means of, of asking him to bless you, even, even in, that, uh, in that place. So, like Jacob, we can follow through on our, our vow and, and give to that kingdom work. Um, we, can, uh, we can recognize that God has provided an abundance of blessings Um, and to show our gratitude by giving back to him. We should also go about our work with integrity and honesty, not compromising God's law in order to get ahead. We can work, uh, or uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 11 and 12 says, if you can work, you should work. So don't just simply say, well, I'm not gonna get out there and work, I'll I'll just pray. I'll just ask the Lord to provide and to bless. No, if you can work, you should be working. We should not be, become lazy, allowing the government or family to take care of our necessities when we're capable of doing so on our own. Now, in addition to asking God to provide outward blessings to us, we want to ask that we would use them for holy purposes. We ask him to bless us, and then we also ask him to not just give us those things, but then to use them to give him honor and glory for holy purposes. We want to be generous with our possessions. We want to, re- uh, 
to receive our blessings with grateful hearts and not be ashamed to enjoy them. We should not feel an obligation to make everything fair. And if you get a raise at work and you're the only one that gets that raise, it doesn't mean you need to share that raise with everyone else or demand that others get it and just refuse your raise. No, God, if God blesses you in that way, you can receive that. Right? And, and you can do so with gratitude. Uh, you're not obligated to refuse blessings because, because others have been neglected. And if you're one of the neglected ones, if you're the one that didn't get the raise, then you can trust that God has a purpose behind that too. Again, that's why we start with recognizing we don't deserve it. So we must learn to be content in plenty and in want, as Paul says to the Philippian church in chapter 4. We ought to be satisfied if we can live a godly life with nothing but food and clothing, as First Timothy chapter 6, 6 through 8 teaches us. So God can still use you, and you might even be less hindered to honor God if you possess less. There is wisdom in asking for contentment with whatever we already have. So I think you can do all of these things, right, in, in the prayer. And asking for God to give us our daily bread, it does imply that. It implies that we don't deserve it. It implies that we... We want to, um, to receive something to sustain us and, and to give him the, the blessing for it, recognizing we haven't earned it or merited it, but then also asking him to be content with what we have already. Proverbs 30, verses 8 and 9 says, Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food that is needful for me lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and still and profane the name of my God. That's almost a summary in itself of this answer, right? at least the, the latter portion of the answer, recognizing that, that this is a one way you can pray. Right? It's just to be content with neither poverty nor riches. So let's conclude by asking the Lord. I'm going to do it without the mic. Uh, 